Greetings, Race Community. Brent coming in live with today's guest, Todd Moxley, who is the founder and managing partner of PledgeMine and my new colleague. Welcome, Todd. Thanks, Brent. I am sure, yes, I am sure many of you listening have caught wind of the fact that Evertrue has joined forces with PledgeMine. We recently acquired Todd's business after many years of uh, getting to know Todd's team and having many mutual customers who have really been raving about PledgeMine's approach to, approach to personalizing direct mail in a really um, scalable, high-impact way that is very much on demand and in line with a lot of the trends that are reshaping um, marketing and sales more broadly. And as we learn more and more about how that work was advancing and uh, frankly started brainstorming with some of our trusted customers, it just became clear that there was a big opportunity for us to uh, do more together. So welcome to the show and to the team, Todd. Super excited about it. And uh, thank you. So we are going to try to stay true to form with our um, agenda here with our typical um, approach. And I will say that it was a couple of weeks ago now that you shared with me that you had a big high school reunion. Now I won't say to our audience, which one that's your decision, but um, one of our favorite questions has really been to just better understand the higher education journey of our guests. You know, ultimately we could all be working in other sectors, but we've chosen um, to build companies in our cases in the higher ed sector. Our audience has chosen to work in the space because we believe uh, in the mission and the impact. Um, So tell me more about that high school. Uh, Who was that guy and what led him to Wheaton College? I, well, that's a great question. Um, I guess some humble beginnings because um, I was a farm, I, my parent, my grandparents owned a farm, spent a lot of time on the farm as a little kid um, and in a rural community, that's where I grew up. And um, so- Can I ask uh, the name yes. of the town? Waseca, Minnesota. Okay. the town, Waseca, Minnesota. And um, the town had a couple large businesses. That's how a lot of these little towns survive. And one of them was a large print shop, printing company that um, um, my dad worked at. And in high school, I ended up um, getting a summer job there, which became more of a year-round part-time work whenever I could do it. And um, and I think during that process, I realized that. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to stay in this little town the rest of, you know, my career. I wanted to, uh, you know, find what else is out there. I don't think it was a, the, a best fit for me. So, um, so yeah, but, it, you know, it was great. And it was great to go back and see some of my friends, some that uh, still live there, some that are, were visiting uh, at the reunion like I was. And it was just great to realize the, how, what a great community was that um, influenced, you know, who, who I am and, and who the rest of my classmates are. And uh, I think I put a lot greater value on the community that we had and the, um, and just the, um, how we uh, shared, you know, in, in just our lives with each other. And it was d- very different than an urban uh, climate like uh, I live in now, but uh, it was, uh, great to reconnect with some people like that and uh, rekindle some friendships. 
So uh, Wasika, Minnesota is a two hour and 25 minute from the farm I grew up on in Northeast Iowa, Wasika town of around 9,000 or so, uh, which I would have considered the big city for whatever it's worth. But uh, uh, you know, that's the Midwestern thing. It's like whose high school was smaller, sort of a badge of honor. Um, but uh, you knew you wanted to maybe spread your wings a little bit, get out of the region uh, or at least the immediate um, vicinity. Um, what, was your college search like? What was that experience and what led you to Wheaton? Right. right. Well, I'm a runner. I was a runner at the time. I um, competed in high school, ran in the, in the state meets, finished very high. And so I was recruited a lot by the University of Minnesota, some other state schools. Um, and um, so Fortunately, I had a lot of meets where I was away from home and my dad would end up phoning, taking these phone calls from coaches and uh, he was kind of my blocker for me. I was more interested in um, uh, a program, uh, a closer community, I think, um, and, you know, the, the school's values were important to me. And, um, and at one, I didn't really visit that many schools, but one of the uh, opportunities I had was to visit Wheaton College here in the Chicago area. And um, and it just seemed like a great fit. The, just the teammates uh, and the coach all had just a very welcoming and it just seemed like the right thing. And so I, it was easy for me to make a decision to go that route. And so you joined Wheaton College, you did do cross country. So you had sort of a built-in community yeah. as you got settled in at Wheaton. Right. Uh, what was your favorite cross-country experience during your time at Wheaton? Well, I did run cross-country and track. Cross-country is kind of for those purists. It's only running, and um, and it's uh, it's a great fall sport. Um, oh, that's a that's a great great question. You know, I would say probably my most cherished memory was I was fortunate to actually run on a couple European teams. Um, uh, in, be, in the summers. Uh, these were track teams that my coach put together. We had some awesome national caliber athletes that were in, on the team. Uh, I was also running, but I was more in the um, logistics side of things. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it was really fun. We, we ran in uh, both Western and Eastern Europe at the time. There was the that was before the Berlin Wall uh, was torn down or, uh, and, um, and anyway, so just an awesome experience. Uh, it really broadened my uh, sort of appreciation and understanding of uh, different cultures and different uh, countries that I would not have had been exposed to earlier. So it was great. Very cool. And as you um, were starting to think about career paths, you had exposure to this print world in high school. Right. How much did that ultimately end up informing the journey that you went on that ultimately has led us to connecting? Yeah, right, yeah. Well, I think um, there were probably two things going on. One was, I always had a sense that I like to run my own show, have my own business. I, was, I always had a confidence in that, not knowing that every little thing I needed to do, not, I knew I didn't have every skill I needed, but I would, I was uh, certain that I could figure it out, that I would either find people or find answers and be able to solve problems. Uh, I wasn't really intimidated. I had some early painting businesses and I had, and even in college, I had a small advertising 
uh, gig that I was doing on the side. And, um, and I, I was very confident that that would work. So, I, um, so that was going on. Um, and um, I didn't really know that the, my, I didn't really have that much of an interest in printing per se, but I had this knowledge and I was in these big press rooms and uh, in, in the bindery area. And um, I found, I ended up working for a magazine, a publication in uh, two years out of school, out of college. And um, the one day I was actually selling ad space at the time. And the production manager walked by and said, uh, we've had this one problem and we're trying to solve it. And it has to do with how the book comes to, how the magazine comes together. And I said, you know, I think I know the answer to that. And it was based on how the magazine is assembled. And, and so I described where, how, what her choices were. And that then led more questions from time to time. And I just sort of absorbed this knowledge from be working on, on the machinery, although I, I really didn't know anything about printing at the time. But it, it continued uh, to, I continued to be interested in that. Eventually, I started a business in graphic design, and then um, and then I ended up buying printing as a as really my main job. So uh, that just grew and grew over time. And ultimately, you got to a point where you decided that it was time to start Pledge Mine, and it sounds like entrepreneurial uh, by nature, not. Uh, intimidated by the challenge of getting something going. Um, but what was it where you felt like, you know what, there needs to be a more focused, more specialized approach, especially within the higher education advancement sector? Because let's be honest, this was not, this was a mature sector, you know, there, from Wasika, Minnesota to all over the country and world, there were no shortage of options, but you still saw a market void. Tell me more about that initial kind of insight and the steps you took to start the company? Um, well, you know, I know at some point, you know, uh, as I'm thinking through different influences, um, there was someone early on that was um, a mentor of, for, of mine who he was actually the father of one of my close friends. He worked for the printing company. He was one of their top salesmen. And I would only see him a couple times a month, maybe just, you know, whenever he'd happen to be around. Um, and he, I don't know why he would say, you know, Todd, I really think you need to build it, you know, find your way, you, you know, you've got to find a way to build a niche and then, you know, just run with it. And I, those, that voice sort of continued to, I wasn't really sure what he meant by it, but um, it was interesting because uh, as I worked with my alma mater on some projects, um, this the idea of of this solution came about. And it wasn't I wasn't trying to start a company at, the, at that time. It was just a product that we developed for them, a solution that that seemed to have a sweeping um, application uh, because it was really grounded in technology. It was grounded in being able to provide. Uh, a very specialized solution that could uh, be adapted to many different situa different situations or outreaches. 
So tell me more about the problem and how you would define it. And I think what's great about, you know, your, your approach, it was so organic. And look, I, my experience was volunteering for Brown and sort of seeing, you know, getting a window into some of the systems and data. And it just seemed like there was so much potential. It seems like you had a similar window at your alma mater and it just showed you problems that maybe were solvable. What were the problems? The main problem was, um, when students would make phone calls to talk to alumni, um, they would send a per sometimes a personal note back to the donor, um, thanking them for the time on the call. Um, the annual fund director wanted to make it even more personal. She wanted to um, build a, a stronger connection with each donor. Um, those some some alumni were really receptive to these students calling and others weren't. Uh, and she thought, you know, the this is a special moment when uh, a, a donor or even a non-donor, it's an alum, can have a, a reconnection back with their alma mater. And she wanted to just try to make that a rich experience. Um, and so um, her, she asked me, what more could we do? And so that's where we thought, well, how, why don't we include a photograph of the student? And why don't we talk more about some of the things, the, the major that the student's involved in and other personal interests of the student and tie it to the conversation that they had with each other. And so that was really the, that was the, the idea. And um, I fortunately knew how to build a database and the digital print side from my background in graphic design, how to bring those these pieces together and create a, a, a piece that could be mailed out to donors. And it would be dynamic. Each one was unique. Everyone, each one uh, spoke directly to, you know, that conversation. So. Um, and so step one was really, it sounds like running a pilot or running a test. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, when you did that, what did you learn? Because you very well could have run that test and realized, eh, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Glad we did that or we learned right. something new. Right. But there's well, not a company to build here. Uh -huh, right. Well, so the interesting thing that I think happens, and we're, you know, I'm somewhat removed from this, but I would hear, because I, I visit this client, uh, the annual fund manager there on a regular basis, and I found out that they would get letters back from, from donors and alumni. Some of them, most of them positive. Occasionally they get critical letters, but, but the interesting thing was some people they started writing back and saying, thank you for the picture of John or Susie or, and the, 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 the student that they talked to, it's very meaningful to me to know an actual, you know, that they have a connection with the student. Uh, they, and then later, they, we even got reports that some of these donors were keeping the students' pictures on their refrigerator. And that, you know, that that was their way of reminding them of what their gift is doing and what it's going to. And just more of that close-knit community that the school has with the current students uh, and, and then the broader alumni. So, um, so I think that was some early feedback that showed that it was making a difference. You know, I don't think we actually, I, I only later learned more about some of the analytics part. It was more this just human personal connection that was the initial driving force to keep expanding the program. 
Yeah, I think it's, um, it's, I love hearing that story because it is so reminiscent of what I hear from JD, uh, our colleague, as, as he tells the story of starting Thank You. And I think a lot of what you were trying to um, tap into via direct mail in a truly personalized on-demand manner is exactly what JD and the Thank You team uh, tapped into as it related to connecting video from a stewardship and annual giving and major giving perspective. Um, and that's why it has been so fun to begin collaborating together because there's such mission alignment, but we're also seeing such a clear opportunity to connect these offline and online channels. And as much as we've been champions of digital and social media and video at Evertrue, uh, it has been, I, you know, I am a student of sales and marketing, and it has been remarkable to see from e-commerce juggernauts like Shopify to brands like Bonobos, how much direct mail, when married with digital marketing, can increase conversion and order volume in the, in the for-profit world or conversion and giving volume uh, in the nonprofit world. And so... Um, we're, we're just so excited about the opportunity to really tie together the best print on demand personalization experience with the best video stewardship experience, um, and then build the analytics engine behind the scenes while orchestrating those touch points in a way that hopefully evokes more of that emotion of the donor being able to have that right there, um, on the refrigerator, being able to experience it on their mobile device. Um, you know, the, the open rates of, uh, email are, uh, you know, sub 10%, uh, in, in many categories at this point, we do much better than that via thank you. Uh, but open rates for direct mail are measured to be as high as 90% in 2022. And there was an amazing study that Shopify put out, uh, just in May of 2022, uh, that really highlights the ROI potential of connecting offline and off online channels. And that's what we're going to do together. Yeah, that's right. Well, I think, uh, you know, people expect, I think in general, we're more sophisticated in, in terms of we, we know what to screen, we know what's important, um, and we become adapt to our uh, inbox and can quickly just scan it and say, oh, that's not, you know, it only takes a few seconds to determine whether or not that's something I want to spend more time with. Um, the mailbox, it's, it, it has some of the similar qualities, but when things are directed to you personally, and you know, it's a personal message or it's a, it's a message from a relevant, mm -hmm. um, uh, source, or, you know, in this case, like an alma mater or an institution that you are supporting, um, you have time to actually, you're building rapport. And, um, one of the things that I think that I think of is we have so many times we think about, we focus too much on the, this one effort, how much impact and what results are we getting from this one piece? But, you know, really it's a, it's a story that lasts a long time. How many, how are we telling a story or building a rapport with that individual over a period of time? Um, you know, we, met a few months ago for the first time. And each time we talk, we get to know each other a little better. We get to know, we know 
more about each other's personality, how to make you laugh, how to, you know, what you're excited about. And that's this, it's the same thing happens. And so, yeah. you know, I think with donors, you, we, and as we uh, build that communication, we want to use these different tools to our advantage at the right time and in the right, uh, in the right pace and with, from the right voice. And uh, I think our underlying technologies are really allow us to do that very well for our customers. Yeah, look, I, uh, my mother visited me recently and just as she has the last, uh, I don't know, 50 times that she's visited me, she had a few pieces of mail that she brought with her that she wanted to make sure that I saw before they, uh, you know, before we discarded. And uh, it's just funny because I think about that like tactile experience and the fact that she does that. She doesn't forward me a lot of emails. She certainly never prints off emails and then brings them to me. But you can bet every single time that she visits me or my brothers, Brad or Blaine, she's got something for us uh, and we see it and we think about it. And um, even if it's not something that we're going to immediately act upon, it is a part of awareness in the context of the marketing funnel. Um, and in some cases, it can literally it can literally serve as a sticky note effectively or a or a task reminder um, the way that people sometimes will. Um, you know, act upon that. And, you know, that all being said, I think one of the really exciting opportunities in this next chapter um, is to really focus on attribution, right? As, as we are able to distribute content across channels, uh, thank you being one channel, uh, pledge mine being another channel via print, we are now getting the ability to really tie those campaigns to donors, dollars, and pipeline in a way that hasn't been possible before. And I know that you've done some great work with some of your, your customers like Hope College to, to really tie um, direct mail spend to ROI. Um, but I think we can take it next level to really focus on donors, dollars, and the pipeline generation piece that oftentimes um, is just a missed opportunity. Yeah, it, that's an exciting part of it. Um, you, the um, it's so important to be able to um, plan and strategize uh, a, a campaign, look at the results, what did you learn from them, and how do you make adjustments to it? And you have to be able to bring it full circle. You have to be able to uh, have accurate, um, to be able to make good decisions. And uh, so having that um, feedback and measurable um uh, you know, reporting is very important. And uh, we're really excited to be able to, you know, make that a more of a continuous loop um, and, and, and develop a t technologies that help um, indicate where to go, what to do next. Well said. Tell me a little bit about um, the PledgeMind team. You know, what is PledgeMind today for our audience that is less familiar, uh, recently joining uh, the Evertrue portfolio of brands, but just tell me about the operation. Who are you and, and, uh -huh, and right. uh, uh, what's the kind of status quo? Sure. Well, we started 13 years ago. Um, again, humble beginnings uh, with a single digital printer and, um, you know, our uh, basic application uh, and started with just a, a few accounts that I had developed relationships with. Um, and as we, as well, as I at that time, because I would find myself every night at the post office, uh, stickering, our, putting the stamps on mail and making sure it'd go out. 
um, I knew that this would, would had more scale. And um, as those as time went on, I was able to uh, get some students involved, making phone calls and reaching out to uh, other annual fund managers to talk to them and introduce them to the product. And we started winning more business and added more equipment. Um, we've been through two, let's see, we're in our third location now. Uh, we have a, a beautiful 25,000 square foot uh, facility, our own uh, plant here in Warrenville, Illinois. Uh, there are 32 employees here. Um, we have uh, our own dedicated production team, of course, with all our presses are here. And uh, we do everything from start to finish. So uh, for our for our on-demand clients, and, and those a lot of our clients are on-demand solutions, when data comes in in the morning, we it go it's on press within an hour or two. We assemble that mail and it's ready to it actually goes in the mail by five o'clock that evening. So we um, we we that's one of our work streams. The other one is uh, scheduled larger campaigns. Um, but everything happens within our facility. We have a dedicated client service team and uh, they manage all the projects that our clients do. Um, but we're self-contained. We don't rely on other vendors um, to manufacture the pieces. I think it's part of our core promise that, um, that the information that comes in is, is uh, it's personal and private to the university. And, uh, and we are proud of our, our ability to uh, uh, control every aspect of that until it's in the US mail. Love it. Uh, and I know that you've really um, spent a lot of time thinking about building your team and we're mm -hmm. thrilled to welcome your colleagues to, to our team. Um, but just tell me about kind of the work you've done to train and, and recruit leaders. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's probably one of the most rewarding parts of what I do. Um, this isn't my first business that I've owned. I've, I've owned a number of businesses over the years, and it's awesome to be able to um, find talent, uh, find people that have better skills at different things than me, uh, coach them, and uh, just grow groom them, I guess, uh, in their role. Um, you know, I, I'm fortunate to work with a lot of young people, a lot of um, early career uh, individuals, and uh, it's just really awesome. It's, it's great to see them take ownership of things and run with departments that I only had an idea of what that could be, and they're actually making it happen. And uh, that's just probably more rewarding than anything. Um, so I'm, I'm just proud of them and uh, happy that, uh, you know, we can work together. So I, you know, I don't really want to take credit for it because it's their, it's their, all their work, you know. Um, I'm fortunate that uh, I've got great people, great loyal people, and, uh, and we have a, a great community here and um, a great culture. We all work on it. Uh, sometimes we disagree on a few things, but generally, you know, we, we find a way to respect each other and, uh, and, and we uh, have a, a, just a great culture. So, Love it. Well, it's been fun getting to know your colleagues and we'll have a lot more collaboration here in the coming um, weeks and months. But 
you know, I think just for folks listening, we're eager to get your feedback as well. Uh, if you're familiar with Pledge Mine, um, would love to get uh, any any insights or perspective. If you're not, um, take a look because uh, I think for much of our history at Evertrue, we've been trying to evangelize um, completely new concepts, you know, new strategies, new sources of data, new approaches that were unproven. Um, and I think with PledgeMine, we're just so excited to add a channel to our portfolio that uh, every single one of you listening to this podcast, uh, your institution is already making investments via the print channel. And we are very confident that both on upfront data enrichment, segmentation, and uh, personalization along the way, plus better attribution on the back end, we're going to be able to take things to the next level. And so it's a new space for us, but it's not a new one for Todd or for any of you listening. Uh, and so we're just really excited to finally be able to offer um, a critical um, leg of the stool, uh, if you will, as we think about the future uh, of annual and major gift fundraising. Todd, um, any other, I don't know, thoughts or perspectives that you wanted to to make sure to share today or as you were kind of even evaluating, hey, should we kind of keep going it uh, alone or, or or should we consider, um, mm -hmm. you know, joining forces with with Evertrue and, and right. thank you and our colleagues. I mean, I'd love to kind of know, you know, right. what was yeah. going through your head during that process. Yeah, well, I guess I think I would share that you've, um, you've summed it up really well. And I, but I think that um, as I, um, as I developed the company, I was trying to prepare it for this time. It wasn't, I didn't realize it would be, you know, us working together, of course, way back when, but knew that at some point, um, our, our, what we're doing would be stronger with other, other partners or other, you know, other, uh, technologies. And, um, and so that that's, I think, the main thing. It's just awesome to be at this point where we actually can now begin to work with each other and coordinate uh, a solution that creates a very powerful tool for customers. It is, um, it's not just in one individual thing. You know, if you're going to build a piece of furniture, you know, you don't, you can't just do it with a table saw. You know, you've got to use many things to get that finished piece. You know, it involves sanding and uh, and some router work, and you have to join things together, and you use lots of different tools to for the finished product. And you know, this is just an ad hoc analogy. Hopefully, it holds true. I, but that's that's kind of how it is. You, you there's so many things that you have to be proficient at, and um, and that's uh, true of fundraisers today. You know, you you um, you need to be able to find those tools that will be effective in uh, growing your file and uh, and how do you uh, continue to build a mature file that's healthy and raises uh, major donors out of it because that's that's really ultimately where you know that's the that's the that's the main fruit of the of what our our key audience is doing no doubt no doubt look it's about uh, efficiently personalizing relationships across the giving pyramid. Um, and that's hard. And there are sliding scales of personalization when you look at historical giving and wealth and other indicators. 
but every single donor deserves as personalized of an experience as we possibly can deliver given the realities of budget and staff and so forth. And so I think it's our job and our peers as vendors in the space to just work and innovate and try to find ways that we can make things a little bit more personalized to a few more people every single step of the way, um, because it's clear that the combination of online, offline, social, uh, just orchestration in general will allow us to continue to go deeper in the giving pyramid uh, than we're able to uh, today. And, and we're thrilled to have you on that journey. And we'd asked you um, what you think the next step forward for the advancement industry should be. And you said innovation, strategy, mentorship, and vision. And I can't think of four better words that try to that encapsulate what we try to deliver uh, in the podcast and through um, our content, you know, at Evertrue. And now with Ledgemine in the mix, we're going to be able to, um, I think, e even further highlight innovation strategy, uh, mentorship, and vision. So thank you for trusting in me, Todd, for your belief um, in our team uh, and for your willingness to partner here on this next chapter together. Well, thank you, Brent. Uh, looking forward to uh, more time, you know, uh, just um, making everything work together. So we're no doubt. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say maybe we could go for a run sometime, but I'm not okay. sure that that's gonna be, uh, you know, how we how we run our one on ones. Who knows? <laughs> My racing days are over. I just run now. I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, everybody, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed uh, learning a little bit more about Todd's journey and. Uh, please give us feedback on this one. It's a special, uh, exciting moment here. Uh, and we're going to do our best uh, to make the most of this as you all work uh, to maximize the potential of your giving pyramid. Uh, and with that, uh, Brent signing off with my new colleague, Todd Moxley, who's the founder of PledgeMine. Take care, everybody.